Welcome. Happy Fourth of July, almost. So glad you have found us. If this is your first time, we want to give a special shout out to you and would invite you to do us a favor and click on the digital connection card up in the corner or leave a comment here in the chat, just your email address. And if there's a prayer request you might have or a question we might be able to answer, we're certainly glad you are here and certainly hope it's not your last time. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and, again, extend to you the same opportunity to use the digital connection card or the comment here in the, in the window just to let us know how things are going and if there's a prayer request you might have. But together we are leaning into the 4th of July on Tuesday where we celebrate our nation's birth. And uh, all that that means for us, the freedoms that we experience as Americans, and it's messy and incomplete, as we know, uh, in so many different ways, and yet... The beauty of what we celebrate as a free people is really important. And so as we do that here at worship, let's begin with a fun video of kids and their perspective on the 4th of July. Happy birthday, America. What does your family do on the 4th of July? We get together, cook food together. Sometimes we're in parades. We go swimming with friends and we have a picnic and watch fireworks. 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 Watch the fireworks show. Shoot off fireworks. We just have lots of fun. Why do we set off fireworks on the 4th of July? It was when our Declaration of Independence was signed. Because John Adams said that's how we celebrate it. Because it's cool. Do you have a favorite firework? Big ones. The Roman candles. The blaze. I like the sparklers. Little box, and it shoots like 20 fireworks up at the same time. They all just blow up. I'm kind of afraid of fireworks. What was the Revolutionary War? It was the time that we were fighting Great Britain. It's like when all like did a big, huge war. It was like all around. We're trying to gain our freedom. In Boston, what were people throwing overboard from the ships into the sea? Really expensive tea. The tea taxes were very unfair for them. So they decided to feed it to the fish. Why did our founding fathers wear wigs? Because that was the classy thing to do, to look fancy. Because back then they'd lose their hair very quickly and it was slightly embarrassing. Who is your favorite founding father? George Washington. He always seemed like a strong man. He didn't seem like he would ever break. Benjamin Franklin. I kind of want to be like him because he's so smart. What was the document they wrote to create our government? Treaty of Paris. Wait, no, 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 sorry. Um, Constitution. The Constitution. The Constitution. First one was the Articles of Confederation. What's the Stars and Stripes? Our American flag. The stripes are the 13 colonies. The stars represent all the states. What song is our national anthem? Oh, say, can you see? The star... Wait, no. How do I not know this? Star, spar, the Star Spangled Banner? What do soldiers do? They defend us. They fight for us. They protect our freedoms and our beliefs. If they weren't there, we wouldn't have freedom. What does freedom mean? You have freedom of your speech and religion and your actions. If we weren't free, we wouldn't be what we are. Why is America special? We give opportunities that some other countries don't have. Written in the Bill of Rights and all the amendments. How does America help the world? It helps other countries be free. Showing an example for other countries that might want to change. We have a ton of charities that we help people with. Donate our clothes, food packages, send nurses and doctors so we can take care of their wounds. 
help the poor and give money to them and build houses. What do you think God likes most about our country? How we have freedom and we treat everyone equally. That we're always thinking. And we are trying to tell other countries about him and spreading the word. Happy birthday, America. Happy birthday, America. God bless the USA. God bless America. So yes, it is an interesting perspective the uh, children have on what freedom is all about, and particularly with the 4th of July. And so pray that as you celebrate with your family in the next couple days, that it is blessed. I want to share too, I had an opportunity to sit with our friends Mark and Gabe on Heartfelt Radio's Mornings with Mark and Gabe. And Mark invited me to come and have a conversation centered around a recent Gallup poll that was released last Monday that looks at the question of what's happening with the church attendance in a post-pandemic world. And of course, the numbers show that things are off, that actually churches have yet to return to pre-pandemic levels. It's concerning, but as you listen to our conversation, and there's a link here in the worship notes that you can listen to at your leisure or watch the video, that there is uh, hope. There's good things happening in so many different ways. And even as we think about understanding what God's doing through the Holy Spirit to impact the world and the place that we get to be a part of that and that God's not done building his church. And so as we come to worship, we come first with a moment of reflection. This started with an idea. Somehow, if we were given the opportunity, we could become more. If given the place and the time, we could build a nation where everyone could become more. We prayed for favor. We believed that out of many, we could become one. Though America was never simple, our nation did not give in or give up. We crawled, strived for dreams and freedoms we believed in fought to hold hands as we learned to stand on our own. We are brothers and sisters. Our dreams are not dimmed by our tears. We have stumbled, will not fall. It began with the idea that beliefs should not be dictated. Freedom was to be shared. Worship was the right of the individual not the responsibility of the government. All of these things were self-evident. We knew it in our hearts. They were inalienable for everyone, endowed by our Creator, God-given. On this day, we remember our freedom, and we thank the God who provided it. May God Bless America. Here we are in this series called Unhindered. And as we look at this, we're basically unpacking and, and exploring the first parts of the book of Acts. And as I reminded you before, the, the Acts is actually the second gospel, if you will, of uh, Dr. Luke. 
who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And it is the continuation of the story of Jesus that began what Jesus, it is the continuation of the story of Jesus. You know, it's in Luke where we hear the Christmas story read every year. And then we learn in the book of Acts as uh, Jesus invites us to move into action and to participate in what God's doing in his kingdom. A little bit of a refresher as we read chapter one, we see how Jesus told the disciples that they needed to hang out and wait for Holy Spirit to show up. And it would be Holy Spirit that would appear and it would give them power to become witnesses of his kingdom. And then in chapter two, we saw what happened when Holy Spirit was, which is the very presence of God, showed up and, as we talked about, rested on the followers of Jesus uh, like fire. And that something crazy happened in that upper room. They uh, all started speaking in other languages. And the Jews who had gathered in Jerusalem from all over the known world to celebrate Pentecost, remember we pointed out that Pentecost wasn't something new. It was actually something that had been part of the Jewish faith and tradition. And it was a celebration of Moses receiving the law on Mount Sinai. And then what happens? Well, Peter preaches this epic sermon, and I hope you did your homework and had a chance to read through Peter's sermon there in chapter 2, where what Peter does is he lays out how Jesus, Jesus the Christ, had fulfilled all these Old Testament scriptures and that he indeed was the resurrected king and he is indeed the Lord. And then what happened? Well, at the end of chapter 2 there, it's, we're told that some 3,000 people believed and they chose to follow Jesus on that day. So what do we have happening here? Well, quickly, this rather small movement, it started to grow, started to get momentum. Holy Spirit empowered them to be the messengers of Jesus, to take the hope that they had seen through the resurrection to others around the world. And what took place there in Jerusalem was a new community. It, it was something that began to take shape in a way that was unprecedented. And so today we're going to take a look at uh, what this new community looked like. And this is a verse that we go to many times when we talk about what church is supposed to be, uh, the desire of what it means to be in community and fellowship in a local church. And so here beginning with uh, verse 42 of chapter 2, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When I hear those words, uh, when I read of them, I think of this phrase of doing life together. In fact, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote an amazing book about life together, about what true fellowship and true community looks like in a Christian context. And what I want to say, and especially as we think about coming out of the pandemic, and one of the things we learned in the pandemic is that we are wired for relationship. Even if we're introverted, we are wired to be in community with each other. We are built for community. And so it shouldn't be any surprise that we live right now in the greatest age, if you will, of connectivity that the world has ever known. You think about the power of the internet, what we're able to do here with our online worship experience. Now, it's not 
the same as being in the building, but it is a way that if you're traveling or on vacation or away or just need to get caught up or to be encouraged that you can do it through technology and that social media has made it possible in an amazing way in this day and age to connect with anyone anywhere with very little effort on our parts. But there's a catch. Because of all the latest sociological studies, the one thing that we know is that we are connected to one another, uh, that we are also feel more lonely and more unknown than we ever have. So even though we're connected, there's still something going on in our culture and in our communities where we feel disconnected, feel alone. So somewhere along the way, in all this being connected and this idea of community, and even the idea of being together, something hasn't fully clicked. The truth is, too, when we think about our faith connection, there's so much commonality that we have, so much shared experience, and yet for many there is a void. And so let me ask a question. Why is that? And maybe even a second question. What are we missing here? Well, in this text that we just read, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, I think holds an answer to us, and maybe a couple answers. And I honestly don't think that do life together really does justice to what we see here. In fact, it's much deeper than that. This is a growing community of believers that were formed after the ascension of Jesus and the arrival of Holy Spirit at the season of Pentecost. They found themselves in a most extraordinary place in an extraordinary new way of life. Now, before we uh, examine what that life looked like, I want to just take a moment and reflect on the first four words of this passage. It starts out there in verse 42, and they devoted themselves. Now, one of my favorite things to do when studying uh, Scripture, and we see an important uh, verse like this one, is to take a look at other versions to see what a different translation may offer or how a different interpretation might be able to give a different perspective or broaden our perspective. Now, what's interesting is that in this particular verse, virtually every single major translation uses this word devoted. So that means something. And let me just offer this definition. To be devoted to something means to persist in adherence to, to be intently engaged in, to attend constantly to. Now, whatever is about to be described in the following verses is not something that the followers of Jesus did whenever they felt like it or whenever they needed something from God one day a week. That's not the way it worked. No, this is something way, way different. The scriptures tell us that this was something they devoted themselves to. They did it out of uh, persistence and they did it with intentionality and they did it with consistency. Okay, so what did they devote themselves to? Well, let me read the whole thing again because it's worth paying attention to the details here. So again, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, beginning. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Okay, what do we see here? Well, let me just point a few things out. At the very beginning, we, there's four things that stand out that the disciples were devoted to. First, it was the apostles' teaching. Then it was the fellowship or the shared life of the believers. It was the breaking of bread or what we would call communion, but even having a meal together. And then it was their prayers together. And then as we read further down, there's a few other things that are mentioned that they were devoted to. Uh, providing for those in need, attending the temple, and praising God. Now, what was the result of all this? Well, verse 47, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Well, what's amazing here is this particular text, as we look at the book of Acts, is the first of what we would be eight different summaries that appears in the book of Acts about the life of the early church. And in these verses here, they describe what many have called are, is the five main purposes or functions of the church. Now, these are things that we've talked about before in different ways. So even Pastor Rick Warren in his famous book, The Purpose Driven Life, or even the, or as it's been re-released, What on Earth Am I Here For?, he breaks these out in a very specific way. And it is what? It is the discipleship, fellowship, ministry, worship, and evangelism. Now, these are the things that the earliest followers of Jesus, many of whom knew him personally, this is what they devoted themselves to as the, the movement began. Now, I was trying to figure out how to help teach these words because I always stumble over them. And so I did a little bit of work and came up with the word dream. Uh, and so that's why the title of this message. Now, unfortunately, if you take the first letter as an acrostic of each of these words, it doesn't really uh, make any any sensible word at all. But that being said, let's see if we can work on this together. I want to use this word dream for the next couple months, probably, as a way for us to think about and dream about what God would have us do in this current season. And, and then in the fall, I want to lean into a small group experience, a 40-day experience based on this word dream. But it's an acronym, and it's to remind us of the five essentials of what church life is all about. And it's how all these things are interconnected. The big concepts are this, that discipleship is essential for fellowship and relationship, for ministry, for worship or adoration of God, and for evangelism. Relationship and fellowship is essential for discipleship and for ministry and for adoration and worship and for evangelism. And that evangelism is essential for discipleship and fellowship and relationship and ministry and worship and adoration. And that adoration and worship is essential for discipleship and for fellowship and relationship and for ministry and evangelism. That ministry is essential for discipleship for relationship and fellowship, for adoration and worship and evangelism. Now, let me just unpack these a little bit further and what I mean by them. So first, the idea of discipleship. That's simply the process of following Jesus. And in following Jesus, learning to live like him. It's about growing in our knowledge of God and in his word and in our obedience to what he tells us through his commands that appear in Scripture. And then fellowship or relationship, it's the shared life of Christians. It's about loving and supporting one another and about building these relationships that are based on our common faith in Jesus Christ. And then evangelism, 
It's the sharing of the gospel with others, of telling the story of how we came to know him and how others can know him in a personal way. It's about telling people about who Jesus Christ is and then inviting them to follow him. And then worship and adoration. It's our response to God, to his greatness, to his amazing, uh, all that he offers us. It's about giving him praise and honor and glory and expressing our love for him. And then ministry, that's the work of the church. It's about serving others and it's about using our gifts and our talents to make a difference in the world. Now, here's the bottom line. These are five essentials of what it means to be part of the church. They're all important and they all work together in unison with each other and they do that to build up the body of Christ. So when we are faithful to these essentials, we are fulfilling the Great Commission to go and to be disciples of all nations. Now, remember, this is our story. And remember that what we see here is what we're called to be. So when we look at our own lives, are these the things we're devoted to? I can't help but think, uh, as we were having the conversation on the radio about the decline in church attendance, Mark pointed out in one of the graphs that appears in the article from Gallup about how even back in the 1950s, the church attendance wasn't 100%, and that actually it was just less than, I believe it was 50%. And so this has been something that we've struggled with. And then when you just think about the helicopter, not just the helicopter view, but the 30,000 foot view of looking at the scriptural timeline from from Genesis through uh, the beginning of the New Testament, what do we find? Well, we find, we look at the nation of Israel, how it ebbs and flows in its faithfulness to God. And there are moments when they are in the wilderness and things are not going well. And there are moments when they are receiving all of God's blessings and how that gives us a perfect picture of how life is even to this day, very day. So I wanna lean back into these words specifically and unpack them even a little bit more and, and ask the question as we walk through this, how are we implementing these things in our own life? How devoted are we to these ideas? So this idea of discipleship, the D. From the very beginning, the earliest believers, they were devoted, it said, to the apostles' teaching. They learned from those who walked with Jesus. Now, I think that's the larger question we all have to wrestle with. And that ultimately, in, in when you, if you listen to our conversation uh, from uh, Thursday morning, one of the things that stands out, and it seems as though the thread that runs through all the times I've been on the radio with Mark and Gabe, whether I'm doing the Bible study or just having conversations like this about what we're looking at in culture, is to be reminded it is about discipleship. It is about my leaning into becoming a fully devoted follower. And that's a very personal thing. It's a personal thing by how I spend my time, by the things that I invest my effort and energy into, particularly the study of scripture. And so let me ask you this question. What, what are you doing to devote yourself to discipleship. We've talked about N.T. Wright before. Bishop Tom says this, where no attention is given to teaching and constant lifelong Christian learning, people quickly revert to the worldview or mindset of the surrounding culture and end up with their minds shaped by whichever social pressures are most persuasive with Jesus somewhere around as a pale influence or a memory. And I think that's part of the dilemma we find ourselves in particularly as we think about having been apart from each other during the lockdown and what that's caused for churches and why churches have not come back in full force. And so we need to think about that because it is about understanding even the idea that 
much of what we ought to be looking at. We need to think about what is our theology? What is it behind what we do? Even why we do this online platform. It's simply a tool to connect people. It's not fully like it is to be in the building and doing small group and Bible study or in a small group in a home, but it is a way to leverage technology to keep us connected and to help vision cast what it is the church should be doing and what we individually should be doing. And so we have this idea of discipleship, but then we also have this idea of fellowship or, as I add the word relationships for the R in the word dream. We know this much, that the earliest believers were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to being in relationship with each other. These verses have always just bowled me over in terms of what they were doing and how they were living their lives, where it says, and all who believed were together and they had all things in common. Man, that's not even close to our time today, is it? We're, we're in such an upside down world when it comes to relationships. Or in verse 46, where he says, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Man, there's a lot of disagreement. As we looked a few weeks ago, when I was on Mark and Gabe's show earlier in June, there was the Barna survey about how young people, Generation Z, is they're interested in who Jesus is, but they're not interested in the church. And partly it's because of how these relational things have broken down in our culture. Now, those scriptures are pretty intense, right? I mean, thinking about living life at that level. And I think these verses describe for us a relationship and a fellowship that is very strange to most of us today, especially in our radically individualistic society. Uh, we don't want to share. We, we don't want to overcommit ourselves. We definitely don't want other people to involved in our business. And yet this common life that is referred to here in the book of Acts, that's what's being modeled here in the early church. So let me ask you this question. So what are you doing to devote yourself to fellowship or relationships? And then there's this word evangelism, which we all want to run from because we feel very insecure when it comes to sharing our faith. Now, I want to be clear here. This text does not describe evangelism in very explicit terms. But we, what do we know about evangelism? Well, it's the spreading of the gospel. It's the telling of the good news. And it was an essential aspect of the life of the early church and the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And in that Great Commission, and we're going to look at that a little bit later, but, but it's interesting when you read that there in Matthew 28, it's about how as we go along, Jesus says, that you should be doing this. And so the implication there is that it's not just something we do on Sunday morning, but it's how we live our lives and in community and relationship with each other. So I think what this tells us is that numerical growth was the direct result of their devotion to discipleship and fellowship and relationships and ministry and worship and adoration of God. You see, the early church, they experienced explosive growth because this new way of life that the followers of Jesus were devoted to was something that people couldn't ignore. And it was established by Jesus himself, by his lordship, and then it was empowered by Holy Spirit. And then this thing takes off and there was no stopping it. And again, we are the end product of that here today in 2023. And that is our story. And to be reminded that we should be unhindered in this understanding that there's no stopping us or no stopping the growing of the kingdom. And then this next word is uh, worship, or I've uh, added the word adoration so we can make our acrostic and make it work. <laughs> what was it? The early believers were devoted to worship and adoration of God. And so how did that present itself? Well, these verses 
describe the practices of communion, celebrating the Lord's Supper, and of prayer, and of praise. And, and so we need to see that worship isn't just singing the songs here in the building or online, that worship is a state of mind, it's a state of how we live our life, that worship can and should be a part of every single thing that we do, that our entire lives are a song of praise to Jesus. And that means how we treat people, and that, that's where it gets difficult. And that's, again, why things, I think, are somewhat up in the air and why things seem as though they're disconnected in our current culture. Another great Christian theologian, A.W. Tozer, says, we are called to an everlasting preoccupation with God. Just think about that. That, that should be our first thought, that all of our life should be centered around our love for God and how do we worship him through our very being. Because you see, when, when we worship God, when we worship him with everything we have, it gives us strength. The Holy Spirit shows up and empowers us. We need to remember that Jesus invites his people, you and me, to participate in the work of his kingdom. This is going to require some strength. And most of us have had those experiences where we realize that we aren't strong enough on our own. We need Holy Spirit to show up and empower us. And so when we worship, what that does is it strengthens our lives by focusing us on the true source of life and to realize that it's not about us, that it is about realizing that it is about being anointed by the Spirit to do the work of God for the kingdom of God. So again, the question, what are you doing to devote yourself to worship and adoration of God? And then finally is the word ministry, the M in our acrostic of dream. And so we know this much is that the early believers those that we read about here in Acts chapter 2, they were devoted to ministry, it says here in verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So if discipleship is how we grow deep, then ministry is how we grow wide or broad and how we make a difference in our world and our culture. And so as we think about it, as this movement began, it seems as though if you had a need in that community, in that community of believers there in, in Jerusalem, that they took care of it. Ministry was not solely the job of the apostles, wink, wink. I mean, it's not just about me as the pastor. It's about all of us together, but it's about all of us together in community. So let me ask you this question. What are you doing to devote yourself to ministry? What are you doing to devote yourself to address the needs of others around you? Okay, wait a minute. What's that you say? Um, something has stopped us? Well, it's interesting. What is that? Well, there's been a lot of studies over the past few years that show while some individual churches are growing, there are no major Christian denominations in America that are growing. Every single one is shrinking. In fact, this Gallup poll underscores that. That's a problem. And, when, and yet when I think about this and I think about the early church and what we read here in the book of Acts, I'm pretty sure that we are called to be witnesses and messengers of Jesus in our world. And what does that mean for you? Well, it means that your friends and if you're a student in school, your schoolmates. It means that if you're on a team, your teammates. And it means your employment, where you work. It's your job. You see, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is empowering us, each one of us, to do just that. And I believe as we look at these verses here in Acts, it shows us how to do it. So part of the examine we need to do uh, in our own life as we think through these questions is to understand what is our devotion? So let me just wrap up with this. What are we doing to devote ourselves to these ideas of discipleship 
and fellowship and relationship and ministry and worship and adoration and evangelism? You see, these are the questions we have to answer. And I think it's something we have to give time to and attention to. And we need to do it together. And it's not about just one of these things either. They're all equal. They need to be balanced in our lives as we do life day in and day out. Because the reality is if we're digging deep into discipleship and if we are studying the word, but we can't stand other people, we avoid relationships and fellowship, then there's something that's missing. And if we say we love to worship God and give him adoration, but we'd rather not get our hands dirty by ministering to others, then there's also something missing there too. And so if the devotion of our lives to these things is not drawing people to Jesus, then something is missing. You see, it's some big words to wrestle through. It's about balance and about persistence and about intentionality and even constancy and even maybe consistency that this is the life that we're called to live. And you see, when we read here in the book of Acts and we understand that that's how this movement began, that we are part of it. And it's how we will keep it going for the generations that come after us. Now, if you take a moment and look around you, or even close your eyes and think about those around you, those that have encouraged you, we need to understand that we're not alone. We need to understand that we are all in this together. And we need to also understand that this is our story. And it's what we've been invited to be a part of. Now, one of the things that I share all the time, and it's come from many years of men's ministry specifically, but when I talk to men about changing the way their lives have been going, I always remind them that it's going to require more out of them. It's going to require more commitment and more energy and more effort. But the blessing that comes from that kind of pursuit is one that goes beyond measure. And yet, even in a culture that seems upside down, it seems like every day there's just one more layer of what is going on, that we need to be reminded that God is in charge. And much like Jesus said, as he started his call to ministry, that he's been anointed to bring freedom to the captives, we have been anointed in the same way. That because of what Jesus has done for us, that we have been now rescued, not just to save us from hell, but actually empower us, no matter what season of life we're in, whether we're a student and we're in middle school, or we're a retiree living in a retirement community, that all of us have been called to engage life in the fullest capacity possible. And so it's about our devotion. And I think if each of us lean into working on that, then the issues that we see in the church are going to take a whole different look and be seen in a whole different way. At least that's my prayer. And I think that's what scripture teaches us here as we look at the book of Acts. So let's close with prayer. God, we do know that this is way beyond anything that we can do. And so, Holy Spirit, we do invite you to equip us and help us in this season as we reflect on what we are devoted to and how we are doing in these various areas of discipleship and uh, relationships and fellowship and evangelism and worship and adoration and ministry. Help us understand how to have a balance. But in all these things to know that it's not about our abilities, it's about being open to you and being willing to walk in a way that will be worthy. And we just pray now for that strength and direction in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.